Evening all, my name is Adrian. I'm basically going to pop up three times this evening. I will be brief, but I hope also I'll give us some things to think about both this evening, throughout the evening, but also potentially outside of this evening as well. But to start us off, I want to start with a story. Uh, a story that happened a few Christmases ago where my wife Lucy and I invited some friends of ours over with their kits. And it was that lull between Boxing Day and New Year's Eve. You know the bit where you just feel like you've kind of, you've spent everything, literally, and then you kind of think, right, now's the time, the kind of downtime. And so we invite our friends over, and we basically filled the house. It was them, those two, me and Luce, and then their two kids and our three kids. So all of which were under eight in terms of the kids, not the adults. And so we had these five kids under eight. And what I'd realized by that point is that you have to keep on top of them if you don't want chaos to kind of take over. And so what we did is we set them up in our back room, allowed them to just start some games. They would get on pretty well, actually. And so we kind of hung out with them a bit. And then we just thought, actually, this seems to be going pretty good. So why don't we kind of go into the front room? So we kind of went into the front room and for the next half an hour, kind of popped in and out of what was going on in the back room. And, and the kids were just being amazing, like dream ticket. And so we therefore just retreated to the front room, had drinks, talked, high-fived each other of how we got this parenting thing down, didn't know what the fuss was about, and then sought for the next two hours to put the world to right. Because once you've got your parenting thing sorted, then the rest of the world can be solved. And so we gave ourselves to that. Then it kind of got later on in the evening, and our friends said, actually, it's probably time they got their kids home. And so we then got to that point of thinking, right, okay, well, it's pretty quiet. There seems a great degree of harmony. It seems also to be filled with peace. Maybe they've actually fallen asleep. And so we kind of went through, went to the back room, the door was shut, pushed the door open, and they were well and truly not asleep. In actual fact, we were greeted by this shout from each of the kids saying, welcome to Hamster Island. <laughs> now at that point, I've got to describe that I didn't feel very welcome to Hamster Island because in the center of our back room was all of our kids' bedding, I don't know how it got there, and all of their cuddly toys, and then emptied over this kind of mound of bedding and cuddly toys was the contents of our two hamsters' cages. So sawdust, hamster food, and hamster poo. Literally there, over our kids' stuff, and then two very-looking feral hamsters scurrying around this mound. At that point, I can promise you, peace left, harmony left, and quiet no longer was there. Also, our friends grabbed their kids, and they left very quickly as well. <laughs> See, the deal is, often peace can feel like something that is very temporary. It feels like it's here for a moment, then suddenly it goes. Whether it's like in respect to my kind of slightly trivial example of Hamster Island, and I, I can promise you I am over it. Um, it's not that I hold it against my kids. We still have a hamster. It's not the same hamster as that would be somewhat miraculous. Um, it's been reborn in different methods of different hamsters. We're now on hamster number, I don't know which, um, but we're still there. And so it's not that I'm holding that against them, but it's a relatively trivial example of peace. And then we have that quite significant example of peace, the one that was depicted in that short film of 
that true event in 1914 on Christmas Day, where suddenly war stopped for a day. But then within moments, it started again. And it causes you to think, whether it's in those examples, but actually we can think of examples, I'm sure, of within our own lives, where it feels like peace is pretty short-lived. And we can left kind of questioning, well, can peace ever last? And actually, is peace simply just the absence of conflict? I honestly can't remember what the film is I went to see. But what I can remember is this. In the cinema that I went to, and I'm not going to say which one it is because I'm not going to do any promotion of a certain cinema. There are many cinemas that you can visit. All of them are very good. If you haven't seen the new Star Wars, as a quick aside, very good. Definitely recommend going to see. If you don't like Star Wars, don't go and see it because you won't like it. But it is very good if you do like Star Wars. Anyway, nothing to do with the story. Get back on track, Adrian. So it's this. I can't remember the film, but the cinema I went to see it in, before they showed the feature film, they put this screen up where it had this banner statement that they kind of trademarked as their own. And the statement read this, silence is golden. And as I saw it, I thought, what a weird banner statement to own as a cinema. Because I'm here to watch a film where I'm hoping it isn't going to be silent. Because if it is, this isn't going to be an enjoyable experience. Because I've paid to listen to it in full 3D volume. And so I was slightly disappointed, but it kind of niggled at me. And as I said, I can't remember what the film was, but that statement I can remember because it kind of got under my skin. Because it wasn't that there wasn't any noise to the film, but it was that statement, silence is golden. And actually, after I left the cinema, it was still going around in my head thinking, silence is golden. Do I really think that's true? And over the coming days, it just would be there, lingering. As I was in my car, as I was getting up in the morning, I'd still be thinking, silence is golden. And then, after a few weeks, I'd realized that I needed to get to a point of answering the question, did I truly believe silence is golden? And if I'm honest, my answer was this, no. Because when I looked at my life, I realized that I fill my life, and I filled my life, with sound. At every given moment, I had sound around me. Either I was with people, or I was on the phone talking to people, or I had the radio on. I'm now of the age where I listen to Radio 4, so that's very good to listen to. Lots of people talking to you. I then also would surround it with music. And then if I didn't have radio, music, people on the phone, I then had the TV. My life was one that was encompassed with sound. And I realized for me that I couldn't say silence is golden because I surrounded my life with sound because at the moment the sound wasn't there, I suddenly realized it got really noisy. Because for me, silence wasn't golden or good. Silence was a moment where suddenly the noise got loud of what was going on inside of me. The noise of just the concerns I had, or the things that I thought I had to do, or the fears that I was living with. And that noise was best to be drowned out. And I realized I used all these other sounds to drown out that noise. And so for me, silence is golden or good wasn't something I wanted anything to do with. But then I realized, well, what if that statement that the cinema was using wasn't just a statement, it was a question or an invitation 
Maybe that's a better way of putting it. Maybe what if it was an invitation that I could know that silence is golden? What if I could know the moment where I haven't got all the other distractions around me that actually within me is this sense of peace? This sense of when the silence is there, there isn't any longer any background noise. And there isn't any inside noise. See, this moment when we look at peace, I could like say, well, let's look at peace in the world. We live in a world that surely needs peace. And I wouldn't have to work hard to persuade you about that point, would I? I don't have to literally just read out the last kind of headlines of the news from around the world in the last 24 hours. And I reckon within a few moments, we'd say, hey, yeah, the world needs peace. But the thing is, I think sometimes it can feel so out there that the world needs peace and so intangible and beyond our grasp We then think, but I don't know how to see it. But I wonder whether rather than starting with the world out there needs peace, we have to start a bit closer to home and maybe say, maybe I need peace. Maybe I'm not alone in the room in the fact that sometimes our lives are ones that actually seem to have stuff going on where we just think, I just want to know peace. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like me. You get to that point of realizing, actually, if I was honest, I don't see that silence is golden because at that point, it starts to feel noisy. And maybe the invitation's there for you too, as well as to me, of saying, well, maybe we could get to know a silence that is golden because actually all of that stuff that's going on inside, we could know peace in. but how on earth would we get that sort of peace? Because surely to know that sort of peace would actually not only transform us, has the potential of actually transforming the world around us. So my question at this point is, how do we get to know a peace that isn't just outside of us, but is also within us? When I was a kid, I wasn't very much, very good at art, uh, so what I really loved doing was dot to dots. I don't know if you remember them, but I actually loved dot to dots because what you got was this page of numbers or letters, and as you traced from number to number, suddenly at the end you get this image that suddenly appears that at the beginning you couldn't see. And the Christmas story invites us to join some dots in order that we can discover a piece that is revealed, a piece that isn't in something, but in someone, Jesus, one that we've heard spoken of already. But for a moment, I just want to join the dots, if you like, of what we see through the Christmas story. You see, the first dot we're invited to to kind of point to is one that's a promise, a promise that we heard in the first reading this evening, the promise that spoke of actually one who is going to who was going to come. It was a promise that was made 700 years before Jesus even came to the earth. And we're told that there's this one that's going to be born who's going to be a prince of peace. Literally one who's going to embody peace. One who's going to rule in peace. One who's actually going to offer peace. And what we're told is that word peace is given flesh and bones, not only in that it's going to be someone, but also in the richness of the words that's used. Because so often our language lets us down in terms of what's being expressed. Whereas in the original language that was written in, what was being expressed there when that word peace was uttered was actually conveying the whole aspect of wholeness, of completeness. 
Of the promise there's one who's going to come, who's going to offer wholeness. Wholeness relating within ourselves. Wholeness relating with one another and wholeness relating with who God is. So the first dot is a, a dot of promise. The second dot we then get to kind of draw into is one that's kind of allowing us to suddenly see this picture being revealed is an announcement. An announcement made by some angels that go to these outsiders, these shepherds, and they can't help but say, hey, we've got some amazing news, but we need you to join the dot. We need you to join the dot as the one that was promised is now here. As they describe this one who's been born and they describe him and say, hey, why is he on earth? Oh, he's here to bring peace. He's here to bring wholeness. Join the dots. Because this is how peace is coming. But then we can think, well, how on earth does a baby bring peace to the whole world? At that point, we have to continue to join the dots. And you join the dots by then following who Jesus is and how he lives his life and then how he dies his death in order to get to this most remarkable claim, this final dot, that when we get there, it starts to allow us to see the full picture. You see, in this dot, what we discover is when Jesus is resurrected, alive from the dead, the most outrageous claim, at that moment, he gathers with his friends and he says something. And the first words he says to his friends are these, peace be with you. You see, suddenly in that moment as he speaks those words, he suddenly connects all of the dots, the dots from the promise, the dots of the announcement, the dots to this, because suddenly what he's saying is, I'm now able to offer peace, wholeness. Suddenly the picture's revealed. Suddenly the promise is fulfilled. Suddenly, the announcement is now made true that Jesus has come in order that he can now offer peace. It suddenly makes sense of why he had to die, because he had to die in order that he could get to that point to offer anyone who will receive it the peace that he's able to offer. And what's that peace? Oh, it's the peace that was promised. That one that promises wholeness. Wholeness not outside of us, but wholeness within us. A wholeness within who we are. A wholeness in how we were able to relate to other people. A wholeness in how we can relate to God. See, what Jesus offers is a peace that transforms within, but also it's then a peace that as we then live out of that transformation, it allows us to transform the worlds around us. Suddenly, we don't start there. We start here within us. And knowing that peace, we then get to be those that then bring that peace of wholeness in how we relate to others, of wholeness of inviting others to discover the wholeness that we know. See, the Christmas story invites us to join the dots in order that we get to the point of understanding that Jesus still offers peace. We've already sung the song of how you receive it. It's in that carol, and I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like you just carry along the words, and there's some words that appear in carols, and you think, what on earth does that word mean? But sometimes we sing things without realizing what we're singing, and there's this, one in, this line in our little town of Bethlehem where it says, how do we receive this peace? It says, well, we're meek 
souls will, where meek souls still will receive him, the king will enter in. That's it, that Jesus will still enter in. The, the way we receive the peace that Jesus offers is we receive him. It's as simple as that. As we say, Jesus, I see the peace that you offer and I receive you and that peace. And as the carol says, then Jesus comes and enters within us. So my last question is this. The offer is there on the table. Jesus says, here's peace I'm able to offer, wholeness. The question is, will we receive him and the peace he offers? Will you receive him and the peace he offers? Will I receive him and the peace he offers? And that's a question I'd ask us to consider. But whilst we do, I want to say, Happy Christmas.